back to this week's episode of Husky Talk. We are your hosts, Riley Braille and Emily. Today we will be interviewing a legend in the Iditarod. Please welcome to the show, Dick Mackey. Hi, Dick. How are you today? Well, good morning, girls. How are you today? Good. All right. Now, uh, I don't know if I can hear you well, so you have to speak up. We will. So, before we start our interview with you, we are going to test your Iditarod knowledge. We have five Iditarod trivia questions for you. Ready? I'm ready. Who won the first Iditarod? Uh, a guy by the name of Richard Dick Wilmarth. Yes, good job. Uh, he was from he was from over at Stony River, and actually, uh, no no one had ever heard of him. He was not he was not a, a known dog musher, and he he got a bunch of dogs together, and lo and behold, he, he didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we saw a video on him. Oh, oh okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, he, he passed away, yeah. Yeah. Who has won the most Iditarods? Who's won the most Iditarods? Well, uh, Rick Swenson has won a total of five. Yeah. And there are several that have won four. Um, let's see, Susan Butcher won four. Uh... Martin Boozer won four. Yeah. Uh, Jeff King won four. And and Lance Mackey, uh, my, uh, Doug Swingley won four. And Lance Mackey won four. The only thing is, he won four in a row. Yeah. This question will be tough. Who founded the I Did Rod? Who founded the I Did a Rod? Yeah. Uh, well, Joe, Joe Reddington Sr. was was called the father of the Iditarod. He was uh, he was probably the guy that that pushed it more than anybody. Uh, he certainly didn't do it alone. There were probably another uh, six or eight people that it's, it's just like anything else. Uh, he was the leader and they were his lieutenants. I was fortunate enough to be one of them. <laughs> yeah. So how many dogs can a musher start with this year? This year it was 14 for the first time. Yeah. Uh, when we first started, there was no limit. Uh, some of the, some of the mushers ran as many as 22 dogs. And then, uh, for years it was, it was limited to 16 dogs. And this year for the first time, as I say, it was down to 14 dogs. Wow. What is the name of the award given to the musher that finishes last? Well, it's, it's the Red Lantern yeah. finisher, and it's a tradition. Yep, good job. The person that comes in last uh, gets what they call the Widow's Lantern, and uh, uh, it's, it's, it's usually... It's usually regarded as quite an honor because uh, uh, I would say the person that finishes last probably had to try try the hardest of anyone to to complete the race. So it's it's quite an honor for that person, especially. Yeah. Can you tell us 
what it was like working with Joe Reddington on starting the Iditarod? What was it like working with starting? Oh, it was, you know, uh, I, I was a very close friend of Joe Reddington's, and and he he was a good leader. Uh, he knew how to delegate uh, chores for everybody to do it, and and uh, I was I was very committed to to this idea of having a long distance race that uh, surprisingly enough, enough you might you might be interested in the fact that we were going to do it one time it never was a it never was our intent to do it more than once and uh, uh, it just went from there and of course this year was the 47th running of the race so we're coming up on the 50 year anniversary pretty quick yeah can you tell us about how you contributed to the start of the race? How you contributed to the How, how did I what? Contribute to the race. Well, the, uh, we, we had a race uh, prior to the Iditarod in 1967. It was celebrating the 100th anniversary of, the, of Alaska. And following that, that race, uh, they were... A group of us that got together, ten of us got together and started working on putting on a, a long distance race. And my my obligation was to see that the, the trail was organized and, uh, and and put in and and at least uh, identified so that most of the time we had a, a place to go. We found out. As we were running that first year, that uh, we used survey tape, just tying it onto the branches as we went, and the wind blew them off. We we spent a great deal of time just trying to find where the trail was, but uh, we we made it to Nome anyway. <laughs> yeah. We watched a video of your first place finish in 1978. Can you talk to us about that race where you and Rick Spencer were neck and neck at the finish line? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite a finish. They've, they've never had a photo finish like that before, but Rick and I, Rick and I were competitors, but we were also friends. Uh, but he also was 18 years younger than I, and... Uh, it, it was my it was my idea that he was the defending champion, and if and if I could if I could stay with him, uh, at least I had a chance of beating him. And actually, we we raced for over six hundred miles. We never were out of sight of each other, and uh, and and there was always difficulties. Just, just making it. Never mind uh, the racing part of it. And so, actually, we worked together uh, quite a bit until maybe the last two hundred miles. And uh, and then uh, when we were up on the coast, uh, getting close to Nome, we ran into a, a terrible storm. And uh, so there again, the two of us worked together to get through that storm. And uh, and then when we got Right to Nome, uh, it was just a race down Front Street at the last mile, and uh, uh, we both had problems. And and uh, at one point.
point on the street, I probably was 300 feet ahead of him, and then I got tangled up in a photographer's tripod uh, for his camera, uh, almost to the finish line, and, and lo and behold, uh, Swenson, he was kind of catching up with me fast, and so we crossed the finish line just... My leaders crossed the finish line one second before his did, and uh, so that ended up being the photo finish, and uh, it was quite exciting. The people were going crazy. <laughs> That's really cool. Did you? That's cool. Yeah. Did he really say to you, let's just stay together in the finish at the same time? Did you say together? Yeah, we did. Uh, uh, the last mile, uh, we, we never we never actually uh, raced, I guess, until the last mile coming down the street. Uh, we we worked hard to keep up with each other. He'd he'd be in the lead, and then I'd be in the lead. We kept so I guess we we were kind of uh, trying to outdo each other. But the, the last mile coming down the street. Uh, uh, we just we we were just tending to our own team and and trying to beat each other and he, he could have won just as easily as I did but I managed to cross the finish line in front of him so yeah uh, we after it was over we we were we were friends but we weren't friends for we weren't friends for a mile. <laughs> <laughs> What was going through your head during the race? Repeat it again, please. What was going through your head during that race? Oh, what was going through your head during the race? You know, uh, it was it was the sixth time. <laughs> excuse me, that I had raced, and uh, I I had a real good dog team, and and. I I wanted to win, but uh, it wasn't an obsession. Uh, and then when we got close to Nome, uh, it was the thought was through my mind. Well, maybe I can win, uh, but you can only do what your dogs can do. And uh, uh, you tried to tried to stay out of trouble more than anything else. And we had just gone through, like I say, a probably the worst storm I had ever seen. And uh, and so we were both glad to be to the end of the race. And and he was the defending, Swenson was the defending champion. And, and uh, so it was my challenge to see if I could beat him. And, and uh, it worked out that I did. Yeah. So was there a little controversy on who actually won since it was so close? Well, only only in some people's minds, uh, not not in his mind and not in mine. Uh, some of the some of the older people in Nome, when they had the sweepstakes race years prior to that, their rules were different than than the accepted rules of, of present day mushing and. Uh, it had always been that when your leaders crossed the finish line, that constituted a 
finish of the race, where on the old gnome sweepstakes rules, you had to get your whole team sled and everything across the finish line. So there was a there was some question until the race marshal uh, made the determination that in this day and age, it was the leaders that crossed the finish line that constituted a win. And my leaders had crossed the finish line just in front of his, and uh, Rick Swenson knew that because he also stopped. And then somebody told him he had to move his sled across the line too, which he did, but it was too late then. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us what your most memorable race that you have done? Your most memorable race? Oh, I would have to say probably the first race in 1973 because uh, there were 34 teams that started it and 22 finished it. Uh, it was a it was an adventure. We didn't know if we could even make it or not. And uh, I think those of us that ran it had the had the idea that I don't know if, if we can make it, but I think I can. And so uh, it. it uh, it, it, we, were, we were doing something that had never been done before, taking a dog team clear across the state of Alaska. It, it was quite an adventure. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I'd say that was. I'd say that was my. You know, anytime you do something for the first time, it, it's pretty special. Was your wife worried when you went out on that first race? Was your wife worried when you? <laughs> Yeah, probably. Uh, uh, most most of the wives and girlfriends uh, didn't know if they were ever going to see us again. Uh, we we just kind of disappeared into the wilderness, and and back before you, your time, I'm sure we there wasn't the communications they have today, and uh, uh, the only communications we had were uh, ham radio operators and and maybe the weather wasn't quite good for them and and messages would be all mixed up or, or even non-existent so there would be se several days when nobody knew where anybody w was and what was going on and and uh, yeah it, it it was an exciting it was an exciting adventure <laughs> yeah how do you think that the Iditarod has changed over the year? How oh, has it changed? Well, it's it's always oh, changed. It, the, the only the only similarity today and and years ago was you still got to take a dog team uh, a thousand miles, but uh, the the dog food is different, the equipment is different, uh, the veterinarian care is different and there's a good trail uh, there, there's every every thing done to make sure that there's a well marked trail uh, so you don't get lost or what I, I don't know has anyone ever got lost I used to say we just sometimes got severely misplaced but uh, we always seem to come out in the right end so but it it's a very professional race today uh, 
every little detail. It's it's kind of like if if you if you're familiar with with NASCAR racing, they they started out just a bunch of guys racing each other, and now it's very professional. And it's the same way with the Iditarod. Yeah. So, how do you think the preparation has changed? Well, you know that's not so. That hasn't changed so much, other than perhaps your your distance that you train. I used to train fifty miles in in a run. Uh, training run was was considered more than enough, and and today perhaps you have to train a hundred mile training run. But uh, there again, you've. The nutrition for the dogs have changed, and and uh, uh, I think in some ways the dogs years ago were a little tougher than they are today. Uh, today, you you put booties on your dogs whether they need it or not, and uh, you know, we we used to kind of brag on the fact that we didn't need booties. Our dogs had tougher feet than. The, <laughs> dogs they breed today but uh i don't know it's it's just it's everything is is highly uh detailed and and you more so than just hooking up a bunch of dogs and training them and going you know yeah do you think that competitiveness has changed competitiveness changed well yes uh, and I can only say this because of my son's racing uh, compared to when I was. Uh, we used to help each other. There's not too much of that anymore. Uh, I don't think there's the camaraderie that there used to be. Uh, the first the first couple of years, uh, we'd sit around the campfire and we didn't we didn't run. Uh, we didn't run 24 hours. Uh, you never ran at night. Uh, you'd you'd kind of start out in the, in the morning and, and you'd race each other and do the best you could. But then maybe you'd even be camping at the same place at night or you'd, you'd have little groups that would form just by the way you were running. And, and uh, so it was a lot, a lot more friendly than it is today, probably. Yeah. How about that? The way the sleds are built, how has that changed? How have the sled building changed? Oh, you know, the sleds, the sleds used to be made out of birch wood. <laughs> and uh, uh, on uh, what they would call a native-style sled. And uh, we, we, that's what we all ran. And today they're plastic and titanium and and. Ago, you might buy a sled for for $250, dollars, and today you pay three and four thousand dollars for a sled. And uh, uh, you could—it's—it's it's like years ago driving a vehicle with no power steering versus a car today. This—it's it's, it's almost no comparison to what we used to have. And uh, but it's just like. It's just like a, a person's clothing. Uh, uh, we used to have uh, a lot of wool clothing, and and, and uh, today you got the, all the fancy uh, man-made fabrics and 
and uh, light. a lot lighter weight, and and you stay a lot warmer, you stay a lot drier, and, and uh, everything's much better. Wow, that's changed a lot. Yeah. How do you feel that you have impact on your son's racing career? How do you feel about how you, what, how, what kind of an impact have you had on the kids racing? On, on my kids racing or on the race itself? No, on, on your kids. Well, yeah. I, sometimes wonder, I sometimes wonder what they think about growing up uh, with their dad having dogs, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the fact that, that I have four sons, and all of them have completed the Iditarod. And, and uh, uh, so they don't have to, they don't have to win to, to be good. Uh, the fact that they have completed the Iditarod is a great undertaking. And, uh, and, and I'm pretty proud of the fact that, that they've all, they've all finished it. And I guess I would have to brag on the fact that, that two of them have, have also won it. Uh, my oldest son, Rick, uh, won it in 1983. And then of course, Lance, uh, is well known for winning it four times. And, and, uh, so, uh, they've, they, some of them have got dogs, uh, to this day, uh, Jason is the only one that temporarily doesn't have dogs, but he's going to get right back into it. Uh, maybe this coming winter. I don't know if he'll run Iditarod, but he'll have dogs. Yeah, that's really cool. So do you help your sons prepare for the race? Do you help the boys prepare? Well, I used to. I don't, I don't anymore. Uh, uh, they all live here in Alaska, but, but actually Lance lives, actually Lance lives, uh, uh, over 300 miles away, as as does Rick and uh, my son Bill. He's uh, he's ill at the at the present time, going through quite a problem. But uh, and Jason lives close by here, and uh, so even though everyone lives in Alaska, there's, there's a great distance between us. So uh, I guess. I guess the only help I give them is verbally now. <laughs> <laughs> How are you involved in the I did right now? How are you involved in I did right now? Uh, well, uh, I stay I stay involved. Uh, uh, I stop I stop into I did right headquarters because we live only about. I don't know, four or five miles away from from the I I did a rod headquarters at the present time, and so I stop in there and and uh, I keep in touch with uh, with what's going on, and I go to some of the board meetings or rule committee meetings and that type of thing. But uh, I got just one one sled dog for a house pet, and that's it. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> So the next part of our show, we call lightning round. We have five questions for you to answer as quick as you can. Ready? They're doing a lightning round, and you have to answer as quickly as you can. Uh-oh, I'll try. <laughs> Favorite checkpoint? 
Favorite checkpoint, uh, oh, Solomon, which is not a checkpoint anymore. How do you like that? <laughs> Favorite musher. Favorite musher. <laughs> Favorite musher. Well, I'd have to say one of my sons. How's that? <laughs> that works. Favorite state. Favorite state. Favorite state? Well, oh, hey, I'm pretty proud to be called an Alaskan. <laughs> Favorite book? Favorite what? Book. Book? Uh, I did a Rod Tales. Nice. Favorite song? Favorite song. Uh, I did the I did a Rod Trail. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> So the final question we have is we ask all of our guests, if you could go on one sled dog trip with anybody, living or dead, who would you choose and why? Oh, oh wow. Uh, I, guess, I guess I would have to pick Joe Reddington. Uh, uh, he, he, he and I were good buddies. We... We traveled a lot uh, on several Iditarods together, uh, and and but we were good friends, not just in dog mushing, but but in general life. Uh, uh, it's funny we were both involved in the fishing industry at one time, and there were times when he worked for me. There were times when I worked for him, and there were times we just worked together. And uh, it was the same way with mush and dogs. We we were thoroughly involved in it. And uh, if I had to if I had to pick somebody, uh, even though he's passed away, he was about fifteen years older than I. But but we got along good, and and we had a lot of good trail miles together. That's who I'd pick. Yeah. That's a good choice. Good choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, there was there was another there was another person that that I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I, I met him as a as an old man, and that was Leonard Sepala. And oh. uh, uh, I had the I had the privilege of after he passed away uh, meeting his wife, and we spread his ashes on the Iditarod Trail at Connect which is uh, uh, one of the first checkpoints in the Iditarod. That's really cool. Isn't there an yep. award named after him? Oh, there is. The Leonard Seppala Award for the best care of dogs during the race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you yeah, so much. It's, uh, uh, it's quite an honor to get that award. Uh, and, and, of course, he was the... He was probably the most famous of the I did a, of well, no, of the serum run drivers back in 1925, and uh, his a statue of his dog uh, Malto, and, uh, and and right there at the start of the I did a run at Anchorage. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us. You shared so much cool information. Well, thank you so much, and 
And uh, I, I have to apologize. I don't know why we have such a terrible connection this morning, but uh, I guess maybe it's the weather. Uh, we've had we've had spring here for the for the last month, and the grass was starting to turn green. And yesterday we we had a terrible spring snowstorm. We got about a foot and a half of snow, and, and it's snowing now. So. Wow. Uh, we went right back to winter again in one in one fell swoop today. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for sharing so much information. Okay. You, thank you, girls, and and and, uh, and thank you for your interest in in Iditarod. Yeah. I appreciate that. Special thanks to our guest Dick Mackey for being on our show this week. Subscribe to us on iTunes and tune in next week. And now enjoy a clip from Dick's favorite song, which happens to be the Iditarod Trail song. Well, way up in Alaska, the state that stands alone, there's a dog race run from Anchorage in the Nome. And it's a curling race with a lightning pace when the chilly winds do well. Beneath the northern lights cross snow and the ice, and it's called the Iditarod Trail. We'll give me a team and a good lead dog and a sled that's built so fine. And let me race those miles to know 1,049. And when I get back to my home, hey, I can tell my tale. I did, I did, I did, I did a rock trail.